not Pastor Evans' word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray before we have a seat. Father, thank you for your word. It's quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Your word will never pass away. That means, Father, your word won't change. And Father, that means if there are things going on in our lives that need change, if we'll stand on your word, your word will change our world. And so I thank you for your word today. And I pray in Jesus' name that as I step back, the Spirit of God will use me to minister the life of God to your people. And I thank you in advance for signs, miracles, and wonders following this word today as we yield to it in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody say amen. Amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the house and you may be seated in your house. Praise the Lord. We've been in a series entitled The Power of Choice from the month of September. So those of you who are watching us for the very first time, we've been in this series called The Power of Choice. And let me remind you the goals uh, for this series. Number one is to understand the power that choices have in our lives how these choices can impact us. We're also looking at how these choices can affect future generations and then look at how choices can help us provide uh, God's resources and blessings in our lives. In other words, I'm going to also point out keys that we can use that will help us make choices that will glorify God in our lives and then position us for his purposes. So for the month of November, we're staying in this series called The Power of Choices, but we're narrowing it down. And so we're going to look at now choosing to love, choosing to love. And today's message is choosing to love God. And the goal of our lesson today is to provide insight and understanding into how we can love God and how God's love can impact and affect every other area in our life. So if you're taking notes, we're looking at Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 5. That's where we're going to start today. And then we're going to go over to Mark chapter 12. And you know, Pastor Evan, I'm going to be using several verses of Scripture because I believe the rightly divided word is what changes your life for the better. Someone say amen to that. So I have three points this morning, and hopefully us as a church, you all can track with me. If you're at home, if taking notes are going to distract you, don't take notes. Go back and watch it later, but I need your focus today. So the first point, if you're taking notes, is this. Our love for God should exceed our love for others and even ourselves. I'm going to say that again. Our love for God should exceed our love for others and even ourselves. Now, what I'm going to do is to show you in the Old Testament, and then we're going to go over to the New Testament, the commandment or the, 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 the key commandment that we've been given by God to love Him. Now, 
The focus of my point, though, is not that we would have, you know, been commanded to to love by God or to love God. That's not going to be the focus, but that we are, are to love God, watch this, at the highest level than anyone else, including ourselves. In other words, I'm talking about us loving God, but the point, the first point I want to make, I want the focus to be on us understanding that God wants us to love him more than anybody else, including ourselves. So let's start now in Deuteronomy chapter 6. It says, and I'm reading out of the New King James Version. It says, Hear, O Israel, hear, O America, hear, O Word of Truth Family Church, the Lord our God is what? One. You shall love the Lord your God with how much of your heart? Come on, class, how much? Come on, at home, say how much? With all of your heart and with how much of your soul? All of your soul and with all of your what? Strength. Now, let's go over to the New Testament because the Bible says, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So I want us to see in principle that God wants us to love him, and I'm going to show you that he wants us to love him first. Mark chapter 12, look in verse 28. It says, Then one of the scribes came to Jesus, having heard them reasoning together, and perceiving that he had answered them well, And this scribe asked him, which is the first commandment? Now, the word first, if you're taking notes, the definition in the Greek means in the order of importance. So he was saying, Jesus, which is the first in order of importance, the commandments of all? Now, let me say this. There were over 600 and something commandments that were given from the Old Testament all the way up, 600 and something. Now, I know we used to focus on the 10, but they had a ton of commandments. But right now, let's just focus as if we're talking about the 10. He's saying, which one, which is the most important commandment? And so verse 29, Jesus answers him. He says, the first in order of importance of all commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now, does this verse sound like the verse that we read over in the Old Testament? It does. He says now, you, verse 30, shall love the Lord your God with all, say all. Come on, say it again. He says you should love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul. Everybody say all. All of your soul, watch this, watch this now, with all of your mind, everybody say all. And then he says, with all of your strength. This is the first in the order of importance, the commandment. Verse 31, and the second commandment is like this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandments, listen, greater than these. So let's go back and review. I said there were over 600 and something commandments, and then there were 10 commandments. And so listen, he's saying out of all the commandments, these two are the top ones. There are no other greater commandments than these. So let's focus now on this first commandment that Jesus said is more important than any one. Because what he's saying is out of every commandment, whether that was thou shalt not steal. How many know it's, it's not good to steal? All right. All right. And then he says, you know, Uh, One of them is, thou shalt not commit adultery. How many know it's not good to commit adultery? All right. Thou shalt not murder. These are just some of the Ten Commandments. He says, you shall honor your father and mother. What he's saying is these two verses that he put together that we just read is telling us 
that loving God with all of our heart, all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength is more important than the rest of the commandments. Now, there are four words that I tried to emphasize that's, that you all, uh, that we read, and that word was the word all that was listed four times. Now, let's look at what's being said because God says he wants us to love him with how much of our heart? All of our heart. The heart of us represents the spirit. So he's saying, I want you to stay in position to love me with all of your spirit. And then he says, with all of our souls. Now, our soul consists of our mind, our will, our thoughts, and how we feel. But in this particular case, our souls can be our emotions. So he's saying, I want you to love me. And I want you to love me with all of your heart from your spirit. I want you to love me with all of your emotions. And then he says, and with all of our minds, which is where we think. In other words, he says, I want the way you think. To first be in alignment with you loving me. And then he says, and with all of our strength, which could represent our inner strength and our physical beings. So here's the question. Somebody say he's about to ask a question. Here's the question. If God is asking us, is is he asking us or is he commanding us to love him? Well, the, the answer to that is yes. All right. So here's the question. If he's commanding us to love him with all of ourselves, is it possible for us to not love him with all of ourselves? Everybody say it is. All right. So let me give you a take-home statement if you're taking notes. Here's a take-home statement. It becomes easier to love God with all of us when we know that he has our best interest at hand at all times. Do you know it's easier to love someone when you know that they have your best interest at hand and whatever decision they make and whatever action they take and whatever thing that they do, you know the end result of that is coming out of their love. And because of that, you are able to trust him and uh, trust them. And that's why a lot of people have difficulty trusting God, because they don't believe in their heart of hearts that God has their best interest at hand. Someone say amen to that. So if we love God with only some of ourselves and not all of ourselves, that means whoever or whatever else that is preventing us from loving him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength is his competition. I'm going to say that again. You and I, here's the question. If we are not loving God with all of our heart and with all of our soul and with all of our mind and with all of our strength, If we're not doing it, then that means whatever, because it can be things or whoever, that can be people, that is preventing us from loving him with all of our heart, is God's competition. God, listen to me now, church. Everybody say God. Come on, say it again. Come on, say it at home. Say God. God, listen to this now, is the only person. He's the only person. Everybody say he's the only person. He's the only person who we should love with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. He, listen, he has never asked us to love people with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our might, and all of our strength. You know why? Because if we love people that way, they would become competition with God. He does not want to be on the level with nobody. 
And the moment you and I start loving people with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength, what will happen is we will be in competition. And listen, when push comes to shove, we'll obey them and not obey God. That means no one else should get the level of love, loyalty, and commitment that we give to God. And this is why I said earlier that loving God will impact uh, and affect every other area of our life. Why? Because when we love him as priority, we will follow the other commandments. That's why Jesus said these two commandments, I'm going to break them down for you. He says, if you just do these two, we won't need the rest of them. Why? Because if I love God, I won't cheat on my spouse. If I love God, I won't steal from my boss. If I love God, I won't be beaten up on my wife. Praise the Lord. So let's look at verse 31. Watch this now. Because this, see, some of you all are going to need some steel toe boots this morning. Because I'm going to march out over your feet today. Amen. Look at verse 31. Because it sheds even more light to this first commandment. Now I'm reading out of the Living Bible. Mark chapter 12, look at verse 31. He says, the second commandment is, you must love others as much as yourself. No other commandments are greater than these. Now I want you to notice something. Pay attention at home. Notice what this verse does not say. It does not say for us to love others as much as we love God. It tells us to love others as much as we love ourselves. Do you get that? Did you see that? Did you catch that? He said the second commandment is for us to love others as much as ourselves, which says, listen, that our love for ourselves and our love for others, watch this now, should have No competition when it comes to our love for God. And the moment our love for other things and other people exceed our love for God, we will eventually experience three things. Number one, we'll experience compromise, discontentment, and disappointment. You know why? Because no one or nothing has the power to fulfill us like God. You want to put a strain on a relationship? Start trying to get something from that person that you ought to be getting from God. Amen. So what does it mean? Because I, I want to make it plain today. What does it mean to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength? How does that look? Well, here's point number two if you're taking notes. Our love for God is manifested when we obey him. I'm going to say that again. Our love for God is manifested when we obey him. Now, I'm going to read the Living Bible. And then and I'm going to read an Old Testament and a New Testament. Because I want you to see that when it comes to our love for God, there's no separation with Old Testament and New Testament. He wants us to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Deuteronomy 11 in, in the Living Bible says, you must. Everybody say, you must. Everybody say, you must. That, that sounds like a, a commandment to me, don't it? I mean, when you tell your kid, you must wash these dishes before I get back to the house. 
That sounds like a commandment, don't it? Now, when I was growing up, they didn't even have to say what was going to happen if you didn't do it. You already knew. He says, you must love the Lord your God. And what's the next word, class? Come on, what is it? Come on, class, what is it? Come on at home, somebody say obey. He says, you must love the Lord your God and obey every one of his commands. Watch John chapter 14, verse 15. Watch this now, this is Jesus he says, if you love me, you know, when I was growing up, we used to say, it's, if if was a fifth, we would all be drunk. Y'all ever heard that? Probably ain't heard that before, right? How many know what a fifth is? Anybody know what a fifth is? Okay. How many don't know what a fifth is? Let me hold your hand. Okay, so y'all must didn't drink growing up. A fifth is a certain size bottle of liquor. Not wine. Wine is different from liquor now. You know, like Hennessy, that's liquor. Boone's Farm Apple Wine, that's a mix between wine and liquor. Right? So listen, Jesus said, if you love me, what did he say you would do? Keep my commandments. Does that sound like obedience? I just, I'm just questioning. Does it sound like obedience at home? It does. So listen, our love for God is manifested when we obey him and once we come to Christ as believers, listen, there is no performance issue to maintain our salvation, nor should there be a performance issue for God to love us. Listen to what I'm saying, church. I'm not talking about today. The focus is not how much God loves us. I'm not talking about today. I'm not th talking about that because we know God loves us. When you come to Christ, you don't have to perform for God's love no more. When you come to Christ, believe it or not, you don't have to work for salvation. The Bible says it's not by works lest any man should boast. I know what they taught you growing up in church, but I'm telling you, when you open your heart to Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God comes in and you get born again, once you are born again, you can't get on a born again. I've never heard of that. Just like when you are born in the flesh, you can't go back in and go back, come back out again. Well, when you are born again of the Spirit, you are saved whether you act like it or not. Man, when I got the revelation on that, when I first got saved, I was like, wow, I'm saved. Man, I can smoke weed again. I would just be a high Christian. Come on now, we got high Christians. We got high Christians watching me right now. Somebody probably smoking weed while they watching me. It's, it's okay. We're going to believe for deliverance. When it comes to God, it's no longer a performance issue. It's no longer a salvation issue no more. What it becomes is an obedience issue. Amen. There is nothing we can do to keep God from loving us. Amen. So let's look at a few verses that coincide with our second point. Our second point is our love for God is manifested when we do what? Obey Him. So let me say this now before we look into these verses. Because people, when you want to do what you want to do, you'll make, you'll make up what you feel God is saying to you. I've seen people do it. So let me just put this out here before we get we jump down deeper down. Let me put this out here. God would never tell you to do something that contradicts his word. 
He'll never tell you to do that. Amen? All right, so now let's, let's look in uh, Deuteronomy 30. And I'm just, here's the whole point of me reading these verses. It's to show you that there's a connection between us loving God and us obeying God. Watch now. Deuteronomy 30, 20. That you may love the Lord your God. There it is. That you may do what, class? Obey his what? Do y'all see the connection? He says, I want you to love the Lord your God. But then he says, but I want you to obey his voice and that you may cling to him for he is your life and the length of your days that you may dwell in the land which he swore to your fathers. Deuteronomy eleven twenty two. watch this. For if you shall diligently keep all the commandments, this was him talking to the children of Israel. That sounds like the obedience part. He says, which I command you to do, watch the next part, to love the Lord your God. They go together. And he says to walk in all of his ways. And then he'll drive out all these uh, enemies. And then um, I'm going to skip the rest of the verses that I want to read because what I want to do here, I just wanted you to see because I can re- I can read verse after verse after verse that after verse that shows that there is a connection between our love that we're supposed to have for God and our obedience to Him. So what I want to do now is give you all two main benefits to obeying God. Everything that is supposed to be good in life, and even things that are not good, typically have some form of benefits. You with me? A good job should have good benefits, right? Uh, Some good weed ought to get you really high. If it doesn't get you really high, it's not good, right? Uh, A good car won't break down on you. You with me? In other words, there are benefits to some good things. And there are two main benefits of obeying God, and I'm going to encourage you to do it today. Uh, Because here's the thing, what I'm trying to establish is that obedience to God and my love for God go together. So here's the first one. Here's the first benefit to obeying God. Obedience keeps us on the road to God's will. That's the point. And then I'm going to say or add to that, obedience keeps us on the road to God's will, whereas disobedience distracts us, detours us, and can eventually destroy us. See, when we're not obeying God, then we're either obeying ourselves and obeying the, uh, the devil. When you don't obey God, when I don't obey God, we are obeying somebody. Do you all agree with me on that? Right? So here's a take-home thought that I want you to think about. Everybody say, hmm. Come on at home. Just go ahead and say, hmm. All right, here's a take-home thought. Detours can get us to the location, but it normally takes longer and has more challenges. See, when you don't obey God, that's a detour. Now, detours can get you there if you, if you get your navigation back straight. But typically, detours take longer. And any time you take the devil's route, buckle up for a ride because destruction is his goal for you. Someone say amen to that. And, and, and let me just throw this, because we're, we're living in a society that is based about your feelings and your emotions. It's all about how you feel. You feel like cussing somebody out? That's what you do. 
I don't feel like going to work today. Well, hopefully you have some sick days, sick days, or some personal days, you know, uh, that you, you say, I, I, don't, I don't feel like coming. And if your boss, you know, you call your boss, I don't know if you have to call in, you say, you know what, I, I, I'm, I don't feel like coming in to work today. And they say, well, what's wrong? Well, you have a choice. Am I going to lie or I'm going to tell the truth? Well, it's better to just tell the truth and shame the devil. Just say, I just don't feel like coming in. Right? But we live in this world that is based on feelings. And, and I'm telling you because of, of, of what I know and who I counsel, this is why divorce in the church is just as high as in the world. Because the world don't care. It's when I, I feel like dropping him or dropping her like it's hot, then that's just what I'm going to do. But see, it shouldn't be like that with Christians. Someone say amen to that. Amen. Christians have allowed this worldly mindset and our flesh to dominate our thinking. And contrary to popular belief, listen, divorce is not God's way. I'm talking to somebody watching me right now and you're contemplating it. I'm telling you, that's not God's way. I know the world tells you all you got to do is file, 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 file. But fouling is foul to God. Amen. I'm not trying to put nobody in bondage. You know, if you've been through a divorce before, and no, 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 I don't want you to feel bad because God forgives all sin, not just some. But, but guess what? His best comes when we obey his word. I'm going to read uh, the Amplified Version of Malachi 2.16 because I'm talking to somebody today. It says, for the Lord, the God of Israel says, watch this now, I hate what class? I hate divorce. Okay, so if you want to know God's perspective on this, I, I know you in the flesh. I'm, t- I'm talking to somebody right now. Boy, I tell you what, it feels like I done put a cigarette light under their butt. No, not under the butt, under their bed because they laying down right now. Cigarette light. Right? He says, I hate divorce and marital separation and him who covers his garment, his wife with violence. Listen, God ain't into putting your hands on your wife. Man of God, you can't do that. God don't like that. And woman of God, he don't like you putting your hands on your husband. Because we have some of them too. He says, therefore, keep a watch upon your spirit that it might be controlled by my spirit. That you deal not treacherously and faith, faithlessly with your marriage mate. Listen, here's a word for somebody that's watching me today. God gave it to me, I promise you. The bigger victory is not you being able to start your life over. The bigger victory is to fight and overcome where you are. I'm going to say, boy, that, that, that is worth rewinding right there. Let's say it again. The bigger victory is not you being able to start your life over. The bigger victory is, listen, you fighting and standing and overcoming where you are. Amen. So the first benefit is to, you know, that will help us when we obey God is that it keeps us on the road to God's will. Man, so many times in my life, I have had opportunities to get off the road. I mean, I, I, you know, I remember when God wanted me to quit my job and, and move to Jamaica. I did, I did not. Let me just say this. I'm not talking about how good it feels to obey God. Because sometimes it don't feel good. 
I remember the first time, everybody say years ago. I remember years ago when our church was seven months old, I went to my first pastor's conference, right? It was three of us on staff full time. The budget at the time was $6,000 a week of what it cost to us to have church. $6,000 a week. I had never had $6,000 worth of bills a week in my life. And the Lord is asking me to start a church and it's costing $6,000 a week. Unbelievable. I go to this conference and uh, it's my first time there as a pastor. And I'll never forget, I'm in my my, uh, hotel room ironing my clothes that I was going to wear that night. And I asked the Lord a question. Let me just say this. Never ask the Lord something you don't want him to tell you. Don't do it. Just Just don't even ask. So I was being spiritual. I said, Lord, what would you like for me to give in the offering on behalf of our church because I know they're going to take up an offering today. He says, I want you to give $5,000. I said, I won't be doing that tonight. No, 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 no. See, because we think because of how the world is structured, we ought to feel good when it's time to obey God. But sometimes what God wants you to do don't feel good. And when he told me that, I said, I won't be doing that tonight. So we got to the meeting that night. It's time to give. And the way they gave, it was public giving because they would uh, add it up for a budget or something. I had never seen that. You have to understand, I grew up Presbyterian, you know. And so uh, I sat there and I wrote out a check for $2,500. What did the Lord tell me to give y'all? 5000 I said, I'm going to be doing that today, Lord. So I wrote out a check for $2,500. I went down to the thing, and uh, I, I, I started a tree in that day. But I, I, I went and I put my money in the, in, uh, in the bucket, and I said, $2,500. And I walked back to my seat like I did something. And everybody looking at me like, why did he yell that like that? What kind of che- uh, giver the Lord's love? Cheerful giver. I mean, he don't hate an uncheerful giver, but he does love a cheerful one. So I put that down in my, and, and I got back to my seat. And right before I sat down, this third staff member, how many of us was it? Three. He looks at me and he says, you have to understand, I ain't tell nobody. I ain't tell my wife what the Lord told me to give because I wasn't going to do it. Because I know she would have pushed me to do it. I didn't tell her. And I sure didn't tell this third staff person. So he says, Pastor, for some reason, I think the Lord wants us to give another $2,500. I wanted to say the devil is a lie, but I knew it wasn't the devil. I knew it wasn't the devil. Now I got mad. Come on, everybody been mad at God before? I got mad. I got mad. I'm like, so then I sat there. Because, you know, God will give you so many chances to get your butt in line. Excuse me. He will get so many chances to get yourself in line. He, he'll help you. He just, you know, he just pushed you, pushed you, pushed you. So he pushing me. So I was mad. So I just got another check out. I wrote another check out for $2,500. And it's time for me to go back down there. Now, it's going to really look funny because ain't nobody going down there two and three times. So I go back down there. And this time, you know, I'm not happy. $2,500. I walk back to my seat. Mad as I'll get out. And before I sit down, when I sit down, the Lord speaks to me and says, Evan, I want you to give your Rolex watch now. 
Now, we got some problems with the Lord today. What are you doing? Are you trying to break me, Lord? And, and, and I'm like, and, and as soon as he spoke it to me, because see, your flesh won't tell you to do that. Okay? Flesh won't tell you to do that. As soon as he told me to do it, I started frowning. My wife looks at me. She says, babe, why are you frowning? I said, because the Lord told me to give my Rolex in the offering. She says, well, you better do it then. I'm like, oh, my God. She's on the Lord's side, too. So I sat there, and I was shining my watch because it was gold. I mean, it was bling. Y'all think this is bling. This ain't bling. I mean, I'm shining my watch. And my my wife was like, what are you doing? I said, I'm giving my watch a funeral. It needs to be cleaned before it goes into the casket. So I watched, and all of a sudden she says, well, I'm going to give my watch too. I am not happy today. She said, what? I said, what? She said, I'm going to give my watch too. I was like, why? He didn't tell you to give your watch because her watch costs more than mine. She's like, well, you're inspiring me. I'm like, today is not the day to be inspired. Long story short, put that in the bucket. What's my point? I didn't know that that seed from the church and that seed personally was going to put us in position that for 13 years, me personally, us personally, or the church would never have a need that we didn't have money for. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap for that. So quickly, let's, let's look at now the second benefit, and that is, Here's the benefit number two. Obeying God keeps blessings flowing our way. Do you know yesterday I had two people chasing me down to give me some blessing? Deuteronomy 11.22, it says, For if you shall diligently keep all the commandments, obeying, which I command you to do them, to love the Lord your God and to walk in all his ways and cleave to him, then it lists all these things that God would do. Well, let's jump down to verse 27 because I want you to see that one of the motivations to us obeying God is to understand that it will cause blessings to flow in our life. Watch verse 27. He says, if you obey me, we read up earlier, if you obey me and keep my commandments, a blessing if you what? Obey the commandment of the Lord which I command you. Everybody say blessings come with obedience. Watch the Living Bible of Leviticus chapter 26, verse 3. It says, if you obey all of my commandments, think about the two that he's talking about. Love him first and then love people like ourselves. He says, I will give you regular rains and the land will yield bumper crops. He says, if you obey me, he says, the trees will be loaded with fruit and the grapes will still be ripening when sowing time comes. You will eat and be full. You will go shopping at Walmart and be able to have as many baskets as you want to. I know it don't say that, but that's the modern version, the ESC version, Eben. Secret Connor, praise the Lord. Watch verse 6. For I'll give you peace. Verse 8. Five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall chase ten thousand. Watch verse 9. I will look after you and multiply you and fulfill my covenant with you. You will have surplus of crops, and you won't know what to do with them when the new harvest is ready. Watch now, Deuteronomy 28, the Living Bible. If you fully obey all these commandments of the Lord, the laws that I'm declaring you today, God will transform you into the greatest nation in the world. These are the blessings that will come upon you. Blessings in the city. Blessings. 
blessings in the field, many children, ample crops, large crops, large flocks, large herds, blessings of fruit and bread, blessings when you come in and blessings when you come out. I don't know about you, but if blessings can come with my obedience, I just need to learn to line myself up. Watch now the Living Bible of Psalm 19.7. God's laws are perfect. They protect us. They make us wise. They give us joy in life. God's laws are pure, eternal, and just. Verse 10. They are more desirable than gold. They are sweeter than honey uh, from a honeycomb. For they, God's word, his laws, warn us away from harm and give us success to those who obey him. You want success in your life? Listen, just start obeying God. And I'm going to tell you how to do that in just a second. So if obedience is the primary goal, if it's the primary way. In fact, you know what? Let me go to a New Testament verse. Let's go to Luke 11. I'm going to show you this principle that when you and I obey God, what did I say happens? Come on, class, what? Blessings. Watch this now. It's in the New Testament. Luke 11, look at verse 27. The New King James Version says, And it happened as he, Jesus, spoke these things that a certain woman from the crowd raised her voice and said, Blessed! is the womb that bore you and the breast which nursed you. Amen. That's where some people worship Mary from. They get this from that, right? Verse 28 says, But he, this is Jesus talking, he said more than that. Blessed are those who hear the word and do what? Keep it. Jesus said, listen, you want to be blessed? Man, you take this word I've given you. And you keep it. So here's my third point. Because if obedience is the primary way that we show our love for God, then why don't we obey him more? Isn't that a good question? So I'm going to give you three things that keep us back from obeying God more. Pain, problems, and perverted persuasions keep us from obeying. I'm going to say that again. Pain. Everybody say pain. Problems and perverted suggestions or persuasions keep us from obeying God. So I'm not going to talk through these. I'm just going to kind of mention some stuff, you know. Pain, you know, pain can be an EMF. Y'all know that, right? Y'all know what an EMF is, don't you? Yeah, it, it can be a mood frenzy. Oh, I know what you thought. Oh, you thought I was, oh, oh you thought I meant EMF on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Pain can be a mood frenzy. Have you ever been fine? Have everything been going okay? And then you thought about what somebody did to you, the pain that they, you know, caused you, and all of a sudden your mood switched. You know why? Because pain is a mood frenzy. And if you don't watch it, pain will keep you back from obeying God. Here's the next one. Problems. Everybody say problems. And problems can be a big reason why we don't obey God, especially when God's solution to our problems contradict what we want to do especially if the problem is full of bs bad suggestions i know what you thought i was gonna say that bs you full of bs that's what i said no you full of bad suggestions that's what i'm saying right here right in other words the worst advice you can get from friends family and your flesh is non-biblical advice and then here's the third thing that keeps us back from obeying God, and that is perverted persuasions. You say, well, what is that? And this might be hard to swallow. Everybody say this is hard to swallow right here. See, perverted persuasions is when we are contemplating disobeying God and his word, 
because we've either moved or started moving in the direction of rebellion or we're being persuaded by demonic forces that the devil is using on people. How many know God uses people, but the devil does too? Amen. Uh, Galatians chapter 3 verse 1 says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? You know, bewitched. See, disobedience, if you go down the road of rebellion, rebellion, the Bible says it's, it's like the, the uh, it says it's like the, it's like witchcraft. Rebellion is. In fact, let me read this verse. This is 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 23. It says, Rebellion is as, a sin, is, is as sinful as witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. Man, listen. Even though God's way don't feel good all the time, it is good. How many have had to take medicine before medicine? Yeah. How many have had to take like some cough syrup that tastes terrible? Right? Terrible. When you're tasting it, it tastes bad. But when you swallow it, it tastes bad. But when it starts working, it feels good. That's how it is to obey God. So how do we apply this? Here's number one. Loving God is a journey, not a destination. It's a journey. But see, when we see, see, the more you see God right, the more apt we are to loving him and obeying him. In other words, it becomes easier to obey God when we see how much he's done for us. It makes it easier. Number two, allow the Holy Spirit to search your heart because there are some things that started surfaces. There are some things you started thinking about while I've been preaching and there are some scenarios that's in your head and in your heart that God's been bringing up. I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to search you. And here's number three. I want you to ask yourself the question, can I love God more? I believe everybody in here can right so here's the question what areas of our life can we love god more in who has room in our hearts where god is supposed to be see that's why unforgiveness resides in people because god is a god of love right is god a forgiving god so when we hold unforgiveness, that means now someone has a place in my heart that they're not supposed to be in there. And so that's why it's hard to obey God because I got somebody in his spot. Amen. Do I love me? Here's a hard question as we close. Do I love me more than I love God? Well, with every head bowed and every eye closed right there. You at home, I want you to just bow your heads right there. Because if there are some areas where you know you can obey God more in, you know what I want you to do? I want you to put that area on the altar and sacrifice it. Even if you're not ready to obey right now, put it on the altar. D did you hear what I said? I know you're struggling. There's a weed smoker watching me. You're struggling. Listen, struggle is fine until you give in to it. When I say give in, give up and say, well, I'm just going to struggle. No, no, no. It's a fight. I know, I know every time it's a challenge, it's a challenge. And you just, look, just keep fighting the fight of faith. Just keep, you say, well, Pastor Evan, I smoked yesterday. It doesn't matter. I'm saying today. I'm not saying quit. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying put it on the altar. Put that, that situation with your kid on the altar put that relationship you're struggling in put it on the altar 
And then I want you to put your heart on the altar for God to massage it the way he wants to. Father, I thank you for the word. It's quick and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And I thank you for putting a motivation in our hearts to love you and that being manifested through our obedience in Jesus' name. With every head still bowed. Maybe you're here today and say, Pastor Evan, if I died today, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Well, God wants you to go to heaven. That's why Jesus died for you. But here's the only thing Jesus can't do for you, and that is make a decision. You have to do that. So if you're watching me or if you're in this room today, if you're not sure if you died, you, you would go to heaven, I'm talking to you. Then there's a group of people who, you know, you're already a believer. If you died, you'd go to heaven. But man, you, you, your, your life has been off track. Maybe you need to rededicate your life to the Lord. And then there's some people who need a church home. I'm, you, there's some people watching me in New York right now. Even before COVID, you weren't going to church. But you're watching. This is your church now. It's time to make a decision and join it. There's some people maybe in the room here that need to join Word of Truth Family Church. So I'm going to pray for these three groups of people. People who need salvation, people who need to rededicate their life, and people who'd like to make a decision to join Word of Truth Family Church. With every head still bowed, if you're in the room and one of those three decisions is yours, would you just raise your hand right there at your seat so I can know that I'm talking to somebody in the room?